0: Um, What do Laurel and Hardy, Lewis and Martin, and Mike Myers and Dana Carvey have in common? comedy duos yes comedy comedians and the comedic duos and we loved them and we loved all their movies and we well so, see some of you never heard of the first two but I grew up watching the Lewis and Martin rerun movies and stuff and I just thought that they had stayed together I figured I just assumed that they would always be together and then you come to find out you know after, after really enjoying these these giant personalities these duos that somewhere along the line they always end up having a fight and one person gets angry at Another and pretty soon you know they go their separate ways and we're not treated to all that all that wonderful you know blessing of uh, of, of their comedy and, and so it goes but today we're looking at a, at a breakup um, not a comedic duo though uh, for us this is a gospel duo of of Barnabas and Paul. And, and part of it is, is genuinely sad. I think that they probably were able to patch things up along the way and, uh, and remain friends and so forth. But here they'd been together for so long. Uh, now, you know, we lose track of the amount of time when we're going through the book of Acts, but I think it had been quite some number of years, and, and now today we see them splitting off. And there's an irony, too, because do you remember what my, my sermon was about last week? Of course you don't, right? Uh, why would you? Um, it was about joyful unity that the gospel creates. And, and and I made a big point of it. And and I firmly believe that that was where the text was taking us. They, they were of one accord. They were one mind. They, they spoke w- with one voice when it came to the gospel. And there was this beautiful unity between the, the Jewish church and the Gentile church. And all of this was so wonderful. And then, you know, right, right when everything is going so well, all at once we have Paul and Barnabas splitting apart. And Luke just kind of drops this on us without much explanation. He does not take sides, or if he does, you have to read between the lines a little bit even for that. He more or less just kind of plops it down in our laps and says, okay, what do you think about this? You know, what are, what are we to think about it? Here's where, where I ended up. You may disagree. Uh, again, having to read between the lines somewhat, but I came away believing that, the, that gospel unity does not mean forced conformity. Gospel unity does not mean forced uh, conformity. Let's look at the narrative. We're gonna just going to go over it really quickly. That's why you've got a nice big section before the first three points there. That's because we're going to look at the text all at once and then kind of come back and look at reasons why that's so. So uh, we're told that some time had passed. There had been some time that had passed since the Jerusalem Council. There's even a longer amount of time that's happened since the first missionary journey. And, uh, and so Paul gets the idea that what they ought to do is go back and, and visit those churches. It says, and after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? They'd planted these churches. They were in, in in territory where they were just unto themselves, isolated from other churches, from other believers. Paul had preached. He'd established churches. He'd, he'd appointed elders when he went back through. But still... You know, you want to know how are they doing, and and do they need to be strengthened in some way? And they were in a, you know, they were in agreement for about twenty seconds uh, on that. Um, I think uh, up to that point where it says that now Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark. If you've been paying attention, you will remember a couple things about John Mark. What do you remember about John Mark? Um, he was related to Barnabas for one; they were cousins. And he'd been with them on the first missionary journey, and then he basically turned tail and ran. And uh, let's say this about Paul. Paul was um, not, um, not a big fan <laughs> of John Mark. He was not a huge John Mark fan. It says, but Paul thought best not to take them uh, with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, Paul doesn't seem to be, you know, doing a Nikita Khrushchev. He didn't have his shoe off and pounding on the podium or anything like that. It's it's really kind of understated almost. It's like he just, you know, he thought it better. He thought, yeah, I just think it's better we don't take him. And I bet that when he voiced that, I bet he thought that Barnabas, being the agreeable person that Barnabas was, I think he thought Barnabas was going to go, okay, you're right. Somehow it didn't go that way. It did not go at all that way. It says, and there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Luke gets to it really quickly and explains it. Big disagreement went their separate ways. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. This was not a dull disagreement. This was a sharp disagreement. Um, In fact, The word translated sharp disagreement is a word which we have in English. It comes right out of the Greek, comes right into the English in the medical field. So so we have a couple doctors here that will immediately know this word when I say it. It's a paroxysm. You guys, you guys run against, around paroxysms? when pe- it, means a, it means like a violent fit of, of some sort, neurological or otherwise. And so when it says that there was sharp disagreement here, it's saying it was severe. It, it, I don't think it came to blows. This, we're not talking about the Hatfield and McCoys here. But I think there were sharp words that were spoken. I think there were some hard words, some raised voices We do not know what they said to each other, but it can be described as a paroxysm and off sails Barnabas to Cyprus. Paul, meanwhile, wastes no time. All right, nuts to you. You take off without me, I'll show you. Uh, And he grabs Silas. Do you remember Silas? Remember how I've said all along that Luke will introduce a character one minute in just like a little, you know, just a little blurb and then we see more of him later? We've already seen Silas. He was the guy who, along with a, a, another person by the name of Judas Barsabbas, they came down from Jerusalem, in or, or it down, it was north, but they went up to Antioch and shared the information that the Jerusalem council had come to. So he had gone back to Jerusalem, and then somewhere in between, some time has passed, he's back there in Antioch. It says, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So geographically speaking, when we say they separated, they really separated. Like if you've got your, your, your maps and your Bible there, you can kind of check out what happened, but, but they, you know, to go to Cyprus, you actually went south, and then you went, went over west to get to, to Cyprus. What, uh, what Paul then does, so, so that's where Barnabas and Mark go to. Paul and Silas, though, they go straight north, and then they work their, their way back by land to the same places that they had gone to earlier. They just, I mean, it is a, on the one hand, you read this, and it's, it's kind of tragic. But I would submit to you, and I'm in, a, in agreement here with Brian, who, who prayed this way, that, that this is not altogether a bad thing. Yeah, it's tough when you, I mean, I I suppose most people in Kansas really mourned when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick kind of went their separate ways, right? That was a moment of deep mourning here in Kansas territory. But but I mean, on the surface, it's kind of one of those things, just like how do those two people function without each other? And yet what we're going to see is that there are very good reasons why they needed to go their separate ways and why sometimes it just works out this way. Even within the church today, there are times when we we just have to accept the fact that unity in the gospel doesn't necessarily mean conformity in all things. Here are the three reasons. First of all, priorities may differ. Priorities may differ. I firmly believe that Paul had one goal, and one goal only, and that was the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ in the world. The spreading of the gospel, taking it to all the ends of the earth. That was Paul's chief goal, for Christ to be preached where the name of Christ had not been heard before, and for the Gentiles to be brought into the kingdom of God. I don't think Paul was mean. I don't think he was harsh. I don't think he was unloving or unforgiving or punishing. He looked, I mean, he looked at his first experience with John Mark, and he took the attitude, fool me once, shame on you. But fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not. He just was not going to do that. I think he looked at, at John Mark as this human wrench that was threatening to be thrown once more into the gears and cogs of the gospel effort, and he just wasn't good with that. He didn't think that was an advisable thing to do. But what, what do we know about Barnabas in contrast in terms of Barnabas' priorities? Obviously, Barnabas cared about the kingdom of God as well. Obviously, he had put his life on the line and suffered and, 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 and everything for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And yet, when you think about Barnabas, what do you think of his priorities? What do you think kind of what motivated the guy? Well, do you remember the nickname they gave him? We, early on when when we meet him he 's given some land, sold it to give to the church, and he presents it to the apostles and then we 're told Luke tells us that he was nicknamed the Son of encouragement and then it wasn 't just a an, it wasn 't an empty nickname because Luke tells us all these things that Barnabas did with Paul, nobody wanted to talk to Paul when Paul first was saved and, and he came to Jerusalem, and it was Barnabas who came alongside of him and just wanted to rehabilitate Paul with the apostles and he takes them around and he takes them under his wing and they, he disciples him and later you know Paul has to escape from Jerusalem because there's a plot to kill him and he, um, Barnabas that is, goes to Tarsus later and brings him back to Antioch where they become leaders in the church together. So he's really been one of these people who just wants to, he just wants to come alongside people and encourage them. He did that with Paul and he's thinking okay, I did that with Paul now I'll do that with my cousin John Mark. Men and women of good faith can have differences. Even with the with the best intentions, they can have different priorities, and that is simply the way it is. In a local church, you can tolerate some of that. Uh, some you know we don't probably know two of us are exactly alike in this church. I would I would wager that that's true across the board, but um you can tolerate a certain amount of tension but if priorities diverge too much then often people end up going they're separate ways. They, they go to another church. They go into another ministry, something like that. You will hear sometimes people in the community of great men say that Pastor Jay doesn't want Grace to work with other churches and do anything with other churches. I think I've mentioned this before, but it bears speaking to it at this point. Again, that is not true. Um, that is not true of, of my position or the position of the elders of the church. However, and I, and I'll just camp on this, there are times when our priorities are not the exact same priorities of another church in town. If another church in town says, "Hey, we want to bring X Y Z person into Great Bend, and let's let's have all the churches support that," well, you know that person and how they speak and what they teach and so forth, that might not quite fit where we're at. And in that case, we'd say, "Thank you, no, thank you. God bless you. You know, you're heading off to Cyprus. Bon voyage. Have a great have a great time in Cyprus. I hope it goes really well, but it's just not." It's just not where we're at right now. And other times you go, okay, that's good. Let's, that merges and fits with where we're at. Let's, let's do that. It, unity in the gospel, unity with other churches. If a church is in Great Bend and they're preaching the gospel, then I thank God for them. And I, I tell you what, the work of elders is tough if you take it seriously. I don't know, you, know, you can only do a good job with so many people um, and you're glad if there's other churches doing those things. So that's fine, that's fine. But sometimes we have different priorities. Secondly, perspectives may differ. Perspectives may differ. From Barnabas' perspective, John Mark being his cousin, I think he just looked at it and thought, oh yeah, he turned back at Pergat, Pamphylian. Oh, that was a disappointment. would have liked to have seen the boy do a little bit better. But I think he could write it off more easily than Paul. He could overlook it. Go on a mission trip sometimes. And you know what? You get on a mission trip and sometimes under the stress of the travel and the language barrier and all of those different things, people will sometimes just process things much, much differently. I remember on our last missionary trip, Don, you might remember this, but on our last evening we were in Singapore and we were just trying to figure out where to go to eat. And we, we had a little bit of tension that night because, you know, here we'd gone through the whole thing and I think we were all tired of travel and everything, but some of us wanted to go to an authentic like Chinese restaurant, being Singapore's of Chinese extraction, most of the people there, so let's go to a good China. And, and, and another group of people said, let's go to McDonald's or Wendy's or wherever it was. And, and there was a falling out wasn't really a falling but there was a little bit I mean we just had different perspectives and 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 you put that under the pressure cooker of ministry in a foreign culture and these things can start to to really heat up Barnabas could minimize and he could compartmentalize what had happened with John Mark but think about it from Paul's perspective do you remember what Paul's perspective on that whole thing was let me recap it for you in case you've forgotten From the book of Galatians, we know that Paul says to the Galatians that he came to Galatia, which was the first missionary journey. That's the trip inland from Perga, a couple hundred miles or whatever, up 4,000 feet, you know, elevation change from Perga. He says he came there because of an illness. Well, what would have forced him to go there Why would an illness cause you to travel so far? It seems backward, doesn't it? But it was higher elevation, and therefore people have thought that it's probable that he was suffering from malaria. And if he was, the word paroxysm kind of comes back into play because, you know, when you have have malaria and when it's acute, you can have paroxysms, you can have searing pain, like migraine-like pain, just, you know, stabbing you in the head. And imagine you're Paul you're suffering from, a, we'll just say a migraine because you can I, relate to that. Have, how many have ever had a migraine? Yeah, all right. How many have ever had cluster headaches? Mostly would be men. No, nope. no men had cluster. Cluster headaches are worse than migraines, they say. I had those when I was in my 20s. They cluster and I hope to never have another cluster of those because they were awful. And I remember, I couldn't think straight. And, I, and people with migraines tell me the same thing. So imagine you got a migraine you're dying, you're, you're having fever and paroxysms, and you're standing there at the dock, and John Mark goes, see you later. Oh, by the way, here's your baggage. Yeah, good luck with that. If, if you're Paul, that's a much, much different perspective. Imagine trying to go on the most important mission of your life, which is to bring the gospel to someone. You're going into foreign cultures, and you're brave and all of that, and this guy just leaves you there, and you're trying to preach In the midst of of searing headaches and fever and all of that, what would you be thinking about that guy that left you? Like, he endangered the gospel as far as you're concerned. It's not just a little, oh, well, you know, let bygones be bygones kind of thing. It's a a totally different thing. For Barnabas, it was like, let's forgive and forget. Yeah, forgive and forget. And Paul's like, let's forgive. Just forgive. Let's not forget. I'm not willing to forget just yet. Because seriously, when you forgive someone, forgiving does not necessarily mean that you are automatically back at a point of trusting the person. Mm-hmm. And there are places and times where you get in a scenario where somebody has sinned in a particular way, maybe within an organization or whatever the case may be, and, and you just can't take the risk of putting them right back into the same position where they broke trust the first time, and that's, and that's totally natural, and that's, that's okay. The cool thing, near the end of Paul's life, when he was about to be martyred, he says, I'm about to be poured out like a drink offering. It's in Second Timothy, and he says this, and I love this. Just, just sort of feast your eyes on this, if we can bring, bring that passage up from 2 Timothy 4.11. Do we, do we have that? It's not coming up. Oh, there it is, all right. So Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. If, you, if you're just reading through 2 Timothy and you read that and you don't know the background, you're like, okay, all right, Mark, very useful, good, fine. But when you get the back story here, it's like that is a beautiful thing, isn't it, that it had come full circle and that he had proven himself. Again, this goes to show that having different perspectives within the church is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. It's not always proof that somebody is in sin, that somebody is, is you know, having a power trip or an issue with pride or whatever it might be. Both men loved Jesus. Both men were passionately engaged in the gospel in missions, but they had a different perspective, what if the Antioch church had forced them back together? What if the church, the, the leaders, and we, you remember Paul is very much um, submitting to the church there at Antioch. And, and we've seen that before. We'll see it further in, in the progress in the book of Acts. So what if they had said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys, come back in here. Come back in here. All right, stand there, you two. All right, I want you to put your arms around each other. I want you to stand there for five minutes with your arms around each other. Now, Barnabas would have been like, oh, sure, okay, right away. And Paul would have been like, oh, no, no. You know, oh, come on, Paul, put your arm around him. I know you're an apostle. What am I? Put your arm around him. Let's get this thing fixed together. Um, What would have happened? Frankly, I don't actually know the answer to my own question when, when I ask it. I, I don't know. And and here's the plain and simple fact. They did not do that. They did not force them to back together. I want you to note one thing, though. It does say that they departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So when they were sent, like the first time they were sent, remember when Barnabas and Paul were sent, how they prayed over them and the Holy Spirit led them and then they commissioned them and sent them forth? It's kind of the same thing here, isn't it? Barnabas and Mark are gone and the church looks at Paul and they look at Silas and they go, okay, we are commending you and sending you off with our blessing." What I'm saying here should not be misunderstood to say that we, can, you know, that we should accept bad behavior. It may very well be for all I know that 90% of church splits or 95% of church splits come down to sin. For all I know, that's that. I don't know the statistic. God knows that particular statistic. That may well be true. Pride gets in the way when we're dealing with human beings. But there are times when the best thing is to agree to have the different perspective, agree to a different place in ministry to say, look, right now God has put me in this field, this acre over here. This is the one I'm responsible for and he's put my hand to the plow and so I'm gonna plow and I'm I'm not going anywhere else. That's where I believe God has me and you're telling me you want to be in that acre over there on the North 40 or whatever. God bless you. God bless you. It's okay, isn't it? It's okay. And more work, theoretically, as Brian had said, more work's getting done. And so that can be an okay thing. Thirdly, God's providence may differ. God's providence may differ. And if you say, well, it may differ from what? Well, it may differ from our point of view. God's providence may differ from what we think God ought to want or what, what it is we want Providence is simply the outworking of God's sovereignty. So when we say God is sovereign, we mean that God rules over and has control over all things. Everything he created is his. It just so happens everything that is, is something he created, so it's all his. God's sovereign over all of that. Providence is the nuts and bolts of it, the working out of it, the, the bringing things about as, as they come um, about. And um, there are some key differences between Paul and uh, I'm sorry, between Silas and Barnabas that we see in the providence of God makes sense for the second missionary journey. Now, I don't think Paul would have ever dumped Silas. (laughs) Like, eh, you know what? I mean, sorry, Barnabas. I don't think he would have ever said, yeah, Silas has so much more going on. I think I'm gonna go with him this time. Thank you very much for all your help. I don't think that would have happened. But because this thing happened with them going their separate ways over John Mark, he brings Silas into it. And there's some interesting things about Silas that aren't true of Barnabas. Now, they both had connections to the church at Jerusalem. They they loved him in Barnabas in Jerusalem. Silas was very deeply connected there. But what we find out as the book of Acts goes on, Silas was also a Roman citizen, as was Paul. So they came from very similar backgrounds. They were, they, they were both um, sort of diaspora Jews with that sort of Greek, that Hellenized background. They came from a similar standpoint in that regard. We also know that Silas um, was probably, it it's very probable that he was able to write in Greek and that he ended up being an amanuensis for Paul. An amanuensis was somebody that took dictation. So if Paul wanted to write a letter and Silas was there, he could have Silas pen that. Um, for him. And so there were aspects that were more suited to the second missionary journey that were true of Silas that weren't true of Barnabas. And again, we see how the church blessed that and they, they put their commendation on that. They saw the wisdom of it. In the providence of God, this split actually guaranteed that there were two proper effective mission teams that went out. And that was a God thing. Even though, the, even though there's this ugly split and we don't like it, we look at it and we kind of hate it, like, oh, those two guys were so good together, yet you see the providential work of God, do you not? It's like the stoning of Stephen. When Stephen was stoned, there was this persecution that broke out um, against the church, and that was the reason that all those people left Jerusalem, and as they went, the book of Acts tells us that they went preaching the gospel wherever they went. And that was the hand of God. That is, that is what we mean when we speak of that, that providence of God. You know, I started out talking about comedy duos that have uh, come and gone. And in every case that I can think of, um, they were never as good as, as the sum of their parts when they went their separate ways. Like, I'd, I'd watch you know, uh, Lewis and Martin and just laugh myself sick when I was a kid. It's probably dumb now. I'd probably watch one and probably wouldn't break a smile but but that's what that's what I remembered and then one day like Jerry Lewis was alone on doing this telethon thing and I'm like what's that about and he's stupid and that's not funny at all what, what why isn't he with Marty and, and and it always seemed like it just, just worked out that way you think somebody moving into the music area somebody like Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys he was clearly the genius of the bunch but he was never any any good without the Beach Boys either have you noticed that what is seemingly universally true of comedic duos and, and, and most musical acts is not true. Paul and uh, when it comes to Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas were great together. They are actually better separated in the providence of God. Last year, in the, in the providence of God, um, God did certain things in our midst, and I was um, not totally down with the things that happened, and they were not things that. Well, none of them were the result of sin. None of them were the result of broken relationships or bad, hurt feelings. It's just in the providence of God, God chose to move some people to places like Manhattan and Olathe and, and other locales. Do you, how many remember those, uh, those times? And, and I personally wanted to tell God, God, you're wrong. You know, you're, you're getting this wrong, and I don't see how you're missing that you're getting it wrong. I felt a little bit like Joseph when Jacob was blessing his sons and putting his hands on the wrong person, and I'm like, God, you're doing this wrong. You're not getting it right. Um, but, God, but God knows. Ultimately, God knows. God is sovereign for a, a reason. There's no excuse for 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 the sins of men to cause splits and breakups, but there are times when in the providence of God, God says, okay, I'm sending people different directions. And that's that's the end of it. Gospel unity does not require that we always stay on the same postage stamp of, of ground, doing the exact same ministry together. It would be great, and that's how we would want it. But God has a funny way of doing things God's way. Have you noticed that? Job mentions this. He says, behold, and he's talking about God there. Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, what are you doing? And you can look at it in Daniel, a very similar statement. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? What have you done? It's the one question we can ask it. God, I don't think God's offended when we ask questions like this. But at the same time, it's why ask why. How do, how do you say to God, God, why did you do that? And, he, and his answer is because I'm God, and I know better than you do. And that's the end of the story. Biblical gospel unity does not mean forced conformity. Let God be God. Let God be God as 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 to loving fellowship and, and, and right doctrine. We we want to be where we need to be, but we also have to account for the fact that God is going to be God and God is going to, to move people around as as He sees fit. At the end of the day, our priority has to be the advancement of the gospel. And sometimes it just you know you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back and somebody says, hey, so and so they're over there plowing and what's the answer well good good they're plowing they're plowing over there I don't know anything about that field over there hope it's productive but I'm over here this is where God this is where God has me if it's Cyprus for you then great at the end of the day, God is God, and that's okay. If you don't know Christ today, we proclaim him to you. The same gospel that Barnabas and Paul were in complete agreement on um, is the same gospel that we preach even now as we hold it out to sinners. If you don't know Christ, we just we just proclaim him to you. The, the scripture teaches us that Christ came into the world, the Son of God, to die for sinners like you and me. He, he died. He was... Um, Put in a grave, he rose the third day, so that if we turn from our sin and look to him and believe upon him, we may have a life through his name. Paul and Barnabas, Mark and Silas, the whole church is in agreement with that gospel. So if, if you want to be saved, if you want the gospel, then believe upon that gospel. Believe upon Christ right now. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for every aspect of of your word. And sometimes, Lord, it's the strangest passages that can be really enlightening to us in, in our own situation. And I pray, Father, that um, that in gospel unity we might have joy, that we might have fullness, and 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 Lord, that you might do great things right here in this place and that you might unify us. But but Lord, we also know that you have spun people off um, from our church and sent them elsewhere. And uh, it's it's always painful when things like that happen, Lord. But we we cannot look to you and say, God, why have you done that? Why Why did you do that? You are God, you are sovereign, and we trust in that. And we just pray that we can be faithful in the gospel work to which you have called us, that we might have your commendation in what we are doing, that we might do it well, that we might do it according to the way your word instructs us. And I pray, Lord, that as we have proclaimed the gospel, that it will not return void to you, but that you will accomplish the purpose of of bringing people into your kingdom through the preaching of the gospel, the simple routine, as it were, but, but constant and consistent preaching of the gospel. Lord, may you be praised. May you receive the glory.